Welcome back to Conspir. What's the name of our effing podcast? Cons. <laughs> Conspiracies. Conspiracies. Welcome back to Conspir. <laughs> Shit. Connor. <laughs> if this is gonna be the whole episode, it's gonna be bad because I am very passionate about this one. So welcome back to Conspiracies, snacks, and tinfoil hats. I am Connor Kenworthy. I am Avalon Kubernick co-conspirators and today we're talking about the mysterious circumstances that surround none other than the death of marilyn monroe happy birthday mr president so happy birthday (laughs) to you so grab your snacks and your tinfoil hats and we'll be right with you Avalon, how was your Hello. week? Uh, it's been good. Full of crafts. Crack? No, crafts. I tie-dyed oh. this shirt that I'm wearing. I bleached tie-dyed shirts. I did string art, which ended out, turned out really bad. Wow, are you eight years old? I organized a quarantine Olympics for my family. But most importantly... I restarted the Twilight series. <laughs> like the books? Yes, because Oof. they just announced a new book. So now I have to yeah, read all What is it called? Midnight them. Sun or something? Yeah, it's in Edward's perspective. So I started Twilight yesterday and I'm already like 300 pages in. Wow, week. You should have finished the book already. I have to do other things though. Like what? Like... Be a good daughter and a good sister. Oh, okay. Um, Play Animal Crossing. You're going to ask me how my week it was, or is this just going to get awkward? No, I don't care. Oh, okay. Just well, kidding. I how don't care about week? your opinion. How was work? Honestly, work sucks. I am so sick of people, and people are mean, and I am just tired. I'm just tired. Give us your best story of a rude customer. Um, oh, I have a couple. So one today I was walking, I had to do this thing where I take the scanner around the store and it like scans all these numbers and whatever. But so I'm doing that and some lady comes up and she like sees me and, um, I think she was clapping cause she was excited, but it made, she clapped and it made it sound like she was like summoning me <laughs> and <laughs> I kind of like looked at her and was like, and then she didn't really make eye contact with me. So I'm like, are you even talking to me? Like what is happening right now? And she wanted to close off this mannequin. And then another lady today also, I was like coming around a corner and she looks at me and goes, hi, and starts walking away. And I'm like, hi. And I'm like, am I supposed to follow you? Like, and she wanted me to follow her because she had questions, but she didn't like, she like literally said, hi. I was like, hi. And then she just started walking away and I'm like, what the heck? I'm sorry. So, should we talk about our snacks? Oh, yeah. What what's snack your snack? What do you have today? Today, I am eating steak and 
I don't drink wine, so I have grape juice because we're talking about some bougie ass people, and I feel like they'd have steak and wine. That's a freaking bougie meal. My Thank snack, you to my again, mom. Has nothing to do with Marilyn Monroe. I was gonna get like Tic Tacs to represent like pills, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that would be insensitive, and also that's not a snack. That's like just a f- you have one and you're done so i am eating frozen lemonade minute made frozen lemonade and i feel like i'm at disneyland and it's just making me really happy oh should we get into it because i already told you but i want to tell our listeners that i honestly think if you don't agree with me at the end of this episode we can't be friends anymore so and that's why I'm excited for this episode because usually there's literally just I like, start agreeing with the conspiracies, but this one like I'm more on the side of the real story. Okay, but here, like, I'm just gonna say there's just like one fact that will get me. No, that gets me, and like everything else, like this fact is like okay, like that right there. I'm like boom, like it can't be whatever we'll get into it i'll I'll talk about it but you can start because you have the history of marilyn monroe so the title of my notes is (laughs) what the fuck this is the ugliest picture of marilyn monroe i ever seen (laughs) dot 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 hey do you know that vine yes (laughs) that's my favorite that's what I thought of when, as soon as we picked this. It's one of my favorites. So that's the title of my notes. I like it. Okay. Marilyn Monroe. We will start with her birth. So, July 1st, 1926, Marilyn Monroe was born as Norma Jean Mortensen. Ew. That's her real name. I see why she changed her name. Don't frick you. That's my grandma's name. What? Norma? Norma. I know. I My great grandma. Here's the thing. Normas are always the nicest people, but like not a Hollywood actress name. I'm sorry. True. You can't be like Norma Jean in Hollywood. So Norma Jean Mortensen was born. Um, Her parents were separated. So already off to a great start for a good, healthy, stable life. Um, Her mom was named Gladys Pearl Monroe, who was like a flapper And also was in, like, the film industry, but in film editing in L.A. Um, Nothing's really known about her dad. Um, He kind of just took off. So, since her mom couldn't take care of her and work at the same time, um, the neighbors watched Norma Jean a lot of the time during the week. And then, like, the mom would come during the weekends and visit her. Um, And the family treated her well. Like, she had a decent living life but like it's not the same as living with your real family and her mom like when she was there never really paid attention to her gave her like the love a child needs so 1933 Gladys her mom saved up money and bought a house for them in Hollywood um she couldn't pay the mortgage so she ended up having to like rent up the upstairs to other people and unfortunately um norma jean was molested by one of these renters Boo. when she was only eight years old and her mom kind Wait, of she just was like, eight it, she was eight when she was molested F that. and so 
but her mom like kind of just had to ignore it because it was the only way they could pay for the house so she couldn't like kick out the renters so she like just was consistently molested by this dude and this trauma caused her to develop a stutter that would kind of stick with her for the rest of her life because trauma is so fun i'm already pissed off right she just gets rough after that uh 1934 um gladys kind of couldn't take the pressure anymore of being a single mother single working mother so she kind of had a mental breakdown and was taken to a mental institution and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and for all my fellow psychologists out there uh you haven't graduated yet shut up i can still be a psychologist i literally am done with all my psychology classes so shut the fuck up (laughs) um Anyway, paranoid schizophrenia is genetic. Like, if someone in your family has it, the chances of you having it are, like, very high. And there was a long history of schizophrenia and mental illness in this family. So, for the rest of Gladys's life, she kind of spent in and out of mental institutions and hospitals. And since, because of that, she wasn't able to take care of Norma Jean, so... Norma Jean became a ward of the state and had to live in an orphanage and bounced around to like a ton of different foster homes which equals no stability and she couldn't make friends because she already was like shy and then also had trauma and also wasn't in the same place for a long time so like she had no friends and basically all of this trauma caused her to suffer from like insomnia and night terrors which continued with her for literally all her life um 1937 grace mcgee who was like a friend of norma jean's mom because of the film industry kind of took her in for a summer um and kind of introduced her into the world of like hollywood and would dress her up in fancy dresses and take her to movie sets and that's kind of when she kind of had her sets on being a famous movie actress um 1940 when she was about 14 years old um she had already jumped around a bunch of foster homes she moved back in with this grace girl but two years later um grace's husband got a job in west virginia and legally norma jean had to stay in california so she basically had two options she could just stay go back to the orphanage and go back to going to foster homes or she just could just get married so she was legally an adult and could do whatever she wants so she decided to do the latter and just dropped out of school so she's 18 wait no she's 16 she drops out of school and gets married to the next door neighbor of that family she was living with named jim doherty who he was 21 and she was 16 and they lived together for two years but he got deployed in 1944 so she moved in with his family and started working in a factory to kind of support herself so while she was working in the factory in 1944 a photographer was sent to the factory to take pictures of the women to kind of like promote propaganda and like women during the war or whatever all that crap and he was like (laughs) omg 
oh gee she's really hot um you should be a model and she's like what okay I'm gonna quit the factory I'm gonna be a model now but you know with being a model and an actress you just have to change who you are completely so little Norma Jean with curly brown hair had to bleach and straighten her hair so that she was more attractive because brunettes are ugly apparently <laughs> you're so ugly. hot you should be a model but at the same time you look but completely also, wrong yeah we need to change everything about you your name your looks <laughs> so 1945 she kind of started her modeling career kind of took off she began to appear on a bunch of magazine covers uh 1946 her modeling agency set her up for a screen test at 20th century fox which was like the biggest filming company, production company at the time. Um, she was able to sign a six-month contract with them, and that's when she started going by Marilyn Monroe because Monroe was her mom's last name. Oh, I don't know where she got Marilyn. Um, Jim, her husband, forgot about him, right? He Yikes. did not like this <laughs> and said it was ruining their home life because he's a freaking misogynist asshole. Yeah, he's, you're not a submissive wife anymore, <laughs> so this is ruining. You're so not, he's like, I can't <laughs> manipulate your 16-year-old self to have sex with me, so. <laughs> so he gave her an ultimatum. He said, okay, stop modeling and acting or I'm going to divorce you. And, and she said, like, bye. Bye. Joke's on you. I'm divorcing you, bitch. <laughs> Good for her. So, I know. I She gets burned so many times. <laughs> so, um, she decided to pursue modeling and acting, but it kind of was, it took her a while to get big. Um, she just had, like, small roles with two lines, and then her contract with Fox expired, and they didn't ask her to continue. Like, it didn't get renewed. But in March 1948, she signed with Columbia Pictures, which was another big production company where she got her first starring role. Um, And she was doing pretty good. But then days before her contract was up, the director called her in to his office and was like, come alone with me on an overnight cruise. And she was like, hell no, you creep. And then he's like, F you, we're not renewing your contract. Ugh, what a dick. <laughs> What a I dick. Love, I love the 1950s. I my, mean, it still happens today. Favorite, if I could pick any decade to live in, it would be the 1950s. Because Ew, I just love that. No. I'm kidding. That's what people say. And I'm like, mm, let's not. I don't not. know why people say that. <laughs> I'm like, I get maybe the aesthetic, but I'm like, they but also. such cute clothes. I'm like, yes, I would love to be a slave to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so gross. So, she did not have a film acting contract, so she went back to pinup modeling so she could get money. And she met a talent agent named Johnny Hyde, who was president of a highly influential, like, production agency. He took her in as his protege and helped her land a bunch of roles in films. Uh, he also got her plastic surgery. Who doesn't love a man that will get you plastic surgery? And what... he fell in love with her. Of course he did. <laughs> and he said, I will leave my wife for you. He said, said, he said, I'm in love with you now that you're plastic. So 
I will leave my wife. And he's like, I'm leaving my wife for you. And she said, okay, cool. And then he proposed and she's like, okay, wait, I love you, but I'm not like in love with you. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you don't, you're not in love with me, but I, I fixed your boobs. I, left, I fixed your boobs and I left my wife. She's like, mm, yeah, not feeling <laughs> I love her. Um, so <laughs> she negotiated a new contract with Fox and then Johnny died of heart. Of a broken heart, probably. Kind of deserves it. <gasps> Why? He wasn't mean to her. No, but I mean just the fact that he's like, mm, I'm going to take this impressionable woman and give her plastic surgery and try to get her to marry me and leave my wife. And uh, kind of yeah. sounds like a dick. Yeah, so he dies and this was very hard on her. So she tried to kill herself with pills. <laughs> This, this is attempt one of many, let me tell you. <laughs> so she tries to commit. Su- oh, true. I shouldn't be laughing about this. This is a trigger warning. Yes, but <laughs> I think people, if hopefully by episode whatever this is, people have realized that we laugh because if they have triggers. They shouldn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. No, that we. It's like. I laugh. I can't talk about pain. this. Yeah, I can't talk about this and not laugh because otherwise I will start crying. Yeah, and so it's just... very sad. She attempts suicide by overdosing on pills, but luckily her acting coach stopped by and found her body in time to take her to the hospital. And like they were able to pump her stomach and help her recover. So this caused her to go to therapy. So 1950s therapy, not great. <laughs> It was very new. She They're started like, the reason a that you're feeling so depressed is because you're not submissing to your husband. Yeah, literally. No, I'm not even kidding. Psychotherapy was like very new. And so like mental illness wasn't a thing. Like you were just if you were a woman that had problems, you were hysterical and they just blamed it on you being a woman. But the podcast, the conspiracy theories podcast was talking about how if she were to go to therapy in 2020 she would probably have been diagnosed with a clinical mental illness like depression bipolar or even borderline personality disorder and we even know her mom had schizophrenia so like might have been a little thing in her uh, life. can we so, also just uh, she was molested at eight years old like let's just give her some yo, credit yeah. no 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 i wasn't trying <laughs> no to i know her, you but... i know you're not but i'm also saying let's just remind ourselves of that no she like, had she... a lot of stuff go on bless her soul she's not born into a broken family she had no chance so <laughs> she went to therapy and kind of started feeling okay not better but okay <laughs> And she went back to filming and met Arthur Miller, who we'll get back to later. She basically fell in love with him. We're just going to say that for now. So, 1952, she appeared in five major films, was named the It Girl of the Year, and was, like, getting a lot of roles. But she was seen as, like, a sex symbol and was always cast as the dumb blonde in every film. Which is not what she wanted. Marilyn Monroe wanted to be like a serious drama actor or actress. But they were like, no, you're good at being dumb and blonde and sexy. And so this kind of where her um, 
alcohol and drug addiction started because it was like her way of coping and kind of like feeling in control. And on top of her being cast in roles that were like degrading to women, her male directors and co-stars were also very verbally verbally abusive and condescending. So just overall was not treated the best. So 1954, she's like the best biggest queen star in the land but she still wasn't getting roles she wanted and she kind of started standing up for herself and when they would like cast her in these dumb blonde roles she was like I'm not doing this anymore and so Fox was like then we're not gonna have you anymore bye-bye they suspended her contract so she decided she was gonna marry her baseball boyfriend Joe DiMaggio Um, just to get clout, basically. Well, I guess she loved him a little bit, but she, like, tipped off paparazzi about their wedding and where their honeymoon was so that Fox could see how big she was and famous she was and how much people cared about her life. (laughs) I mean... So that they would re-sign her contract. Kind of dicked up to the Joe guy, but at the same time, that's pretty badass. She's like, "Mm, you're not going to listen to me? I'll show you what you're missing. Yeah, so... Her marriage with Joe DiMaggio, just a side note, was awful. She cheated on him with four different men because of how awful it was. But yeah, after seeing how like big she was, Fox renegotiated her contract and gave her a new one. And then after 10 months of marriage, Joe and Marilyn got divorced <laughs> because she claims that he was not supportive and he was physically and verbally abusive still longer than kim kardashian so true i mean i'd rather her get out of it than stay so fox kept giving her the same old shitty roles and she was sick of it so when fox broke their contract she moved to new york and started her own production company (laughs) because she's a badass she said screw you i will do what i want so, in January of 1955, she announced she was creating her own f- film thing called Marilyn Monroe Productions. She rekindled her romance with Arthur Miller, I think was his last name, um, and even was seen frolicking about with Senator John F. Kennedy. Frolicking? I hate the John word John F. Kennedy enters the chat. Boom! So, yes, 1954 is where her affair with JFK started. So, 1956, Arthur Miller left his wife to marry Marilyn. So, a lot of people like leaving their wives for her. Um, That's such a power He treated her like crap, too, though. (laughs) Of course. Uh, So, she started doing drugs even more. And she overdosed for a second time which rip and they were together for four years then got divorced and she's like you know what i need a new therapist so dr greenson enters the chat and i know from your face you hate him and i don't hate him yeah you do because you think he killed her no okay (laughs) yes you do we'll get into it i know okay she gets a new psychoanalyst, Dr. Greenson, who, like, becomes a new confidant and voice of reason in her life. Like, she tells him about everything. 
So, now we're going to talk about JFK a little bit more. So, 1960. JFK had a convention in LA, and he and Marilyn stayed in his beach house alone. And, like, had a little fun time. And the next week he announced the Democrats. He, yeah, the hokey pokey, all that. Um, next week, he was announced to be the Democratic candidate for president. And this is when he became a little bit more um, cautious about his affair with Marilyn Monroe. Because everyone in their social circle kind of knew about it. But he didn't want it to go public to save face, basically. And so he had a lot of his people convince her to stay quiet and keep things on the down low and this was just too stressful for her so she overdosed a third time and was hospitalized and so in order to keep the affair a secret she would wear disguises she would introduce herself as his secretary and they even had like a secret telephone line that she would use to talk to him and her code name was green green yeah I don't know why. So, (laughs) they just, yeah. So, 1961, she moved back to California and bought a house in L.A. so she could be close to her therapist. And because it was close to her new fling, Bobby Newport. No, not Bobby Newport. Bobby (laughs) Kennedy. (gasps) Who's Bobby Kennedy? Bobby. Who's Bobby Kennedy? He is John F. Kennedy's brother. Power move. I love effing brothers. Um, it's like it's like <laughs> Fox all over it. And she's like, mm, you don't want me then? I'm going to go F your brother. F you. He's not running for president. So also in this time, Marilyn got a new housekeeper named Eunice Murray, who was also... A therapist? Question mark, I think. She was a And she works for Dr. Greenson. Yeah. So she like stayed with Marilyn, make sure she was okay, but she was also like BFS with Dr. Greenson, which people think is weird. But so nineteen sixty two, Marilyn Monroe goes on a trip to Mexico City and oops, she got a little drunk. And started telling this guy named Fields about a lot of classified national security things. Um, and he was a commie spy. And JFK was like, mm, that's not okay with me. And so he was pissed. And Bobby was pissed. And Bobby's like, you are not singing at JFK's birthday. And we all know how that turned out. People were not happy with that performance. But... It's a meme to this day, so thank you for doing that, Marilyn. <laughs> um, <laughs> May 24th, JFK, after all this, like, the FBI informed him that she was kind of leaking national secrets. He disconnected uh, Marilyn's secret extension and told the White House not to accept her calls and basically, like, cut her off but didn't ever give her an explanation why. And she was, like, super depressed about it and kept calling and demanded to know why he ended things. But no one would tell her. And so she started taking, like, sedatives so that she could be calm and continue filming and doing her work. Um, which affected a lot of things. Like, she had to postpone filming on one of her big films. And June 7th, she got sick. And requested even more time off. 
even though she had just taken time off. And so Fox fired her from the movie and sued her for $750,000 because she missed all these filming days. And I guess that was bad for them. So they also started a schmear campaign and sold horrible stories about her to the press and kept calling her mentally ill. And after a series of events, which included calls from Bobby Kennedy, Fox negotiated their con- renegotiated their contract with Marilyn and began filming again. So Bobby Kennedy has some influence in that area. Um, July 13th, the FBI again receives intel that Marilyn has ties with suspected communists and was like, dishing the dirt with them and Bobby Kennedy was like F you and cut ties with her and this just sent her into a downward spiral because she already had abandonment issues and like problems with mistreatment in her life and so she started going to the therapist more frequently like two to three times a week and Dr. Greenson prescribed her sedatives which included a barbiturate called Nembutal, which in large doses could be lethal. And nowadays it's used as an anesthetic in hospitals for euthanasia and capital punishment. (laughs) So that's cool. (laughs) So Marilyn Monroe's popping really heavy duty drugs. Love that. So this kind of caused her to become paranoid of everyone um even dr greenson and eunice murray and her publicist and she like kept freaking out saying everyone was like kind of conspiring against her and she even said her phones had been tapped which was true um (laughs) i this last part's kind of I have like one little thing that might get into your stuff a little bit, but I'm just going to say it. Yeah, go for it. So people, (laughs) she felt like people had tapped her phones, which was true because a lot of people were spying on her because of a specific item she had in her house, which was her diary. (gasps) (laughs) She had a red book diary that contained a lot of detailed conversations that she had had with the Kennedys including things about the Bay of Pigs invasion, the involvement of the mafia in JFK's campaign, and just the whole load of shit. So pretty much, so, if you've seen Mean Girls and when the burn book gets out... Burn book? <laughs> when the burn book gets out and everything goes to shit in the high school, that's what the United States is going to be like if her diary got out. So we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, and she even was like telling her friends like i'm gonna leak this to the press and they're like but the fbi and the mafia and all of them were like nay nay so um august 4th 1962 marilyn monroe is found dead and i'm gonna go over the official story i'm sure you're gonna go into all the yeah things that people change (laughs) because here's the first story that came out which has changed a lot of times since but Marilyn on August 3rd invited her publicist to spend the night the next morning I forget her name the next morning they got into a huge fight 
Newcomb. Yeah, I have it here actually. So next morning, August 4th, they get into a fight because supposedly Marilyn was jealous that Newcomb was able to like rest and sleep through the night when Marilyn Monroe suffers from insomnia. Oh, I totally get that. Sleep. That's yeah. So Marilyn was pissed and she's like, you need to leave. But (laughs) Newcomb was like, no, I'm staying. And she stayed the rest of the afternoon while Marilyn was just like locked in her room the rest of the day, blasting emo music. That last part was not real. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Um, Sometime in the afternoon, Marilyn asked Eunice Murray if they had any oxygen around, which at the time was a common hangover remedy. So it was not out of the question that she would ask for that. But this alarmed Eunice and she called um, Dr. Greenson and told her she was like concerned about Marilyn. So at 5 p.m., Greenson and Murray, well, Greenson arrives at the house and they were like, you need to leave to Newcomb. And so he, she leaves. 7 p.m., Dr. Greenson leaves and Murray spends the night. Um, 7.30, Marilyn's stepson calls and she appeared to be in a great mood. But then there's other stories saying that it was, she called Bob Kennedy and he said she was not in a good mood. So we go don't over know. the official story because I'll get into it. Yeah, those are the two things I have about that. Okay, between 9 and 10, she called her friend Jean, and Jean said that Marilyn sounded tired, but not, like, intoxicated or, like, in distress. Um, And then 10 p.m., we have the last uh, contact anyone had with Marilyn Monroe. It was with Jose Belanos, who is a Spanish screenwriter. Um, He called Marilyn but doesn't say he never disclosed what they talked about. And the only thing that he said was that she told him something that he said that she told him something that she quote said would one day shock the world. And uh, we still don't know what that is to this day. And then 12 AM Eunice Murray gets up to go to the bathroom and notices that Marilyn's light is still on. And tries to open the door, but it's locked. And so she's kind of freaking out. So she calls Dr. Greenson. When Greenson arrives, he looks through the window and sees Marilyn lying on the ground, clutching her telephone. So he breaks through the window of her bedroom, checks her pulse, and he determined her dead. Um, He noticed empty bottles of Nembutal that he prescribed her were on her bedstand. And so basically they ruled her death a suicide by drug overdose and that is all i have that's all you have okay are you fucking ready for this because i (sighs) okay so let's just start so this comes out in 1985 there's eunice murray her housekeeper whatever that stayed the night called the doctor she is having an interview um with bbc in 1985 so this is 20-something years after um and she goes through the whole story it's the same story she told the cops and everything um but after the cameras go off they're just kind of they're talking and she's like you know everything's done they're done recording um and what she doesn't realize is that they still have the audio recordings like the cameras are off and she says why at my age do i still have to cover this thing up Mm. um excuse me (laughs) uh and then 
during that time it also came out that she said it became so sticky that protectors of robert kennedy had to step in to help and they're like what does that even mean like her whole situation with the kennedys so back to 1962 when she died august 4th so you said she fought with nukem um greenson came in all the the oxygen so what is weird is the fact that if marilyn monroe had asked for oxygen like it was such a common hangover treatment like why would that alarm eunice murray enough to call her psychiatrist and be like she needs to like she could just have a hangover it's not that big of a deal but supposedly she gets all like worked up about it and is like because she's a freaking alcoholic yeah but if she's a psychiatric nurse then she probably asks for an oxygen treatment all the time if she's hung over all the time um so a big thing that happens is so that night um the police don't officially show up until around 4 25 that's when they're called and when the police arrive there's three people there there's eunice murray there's dr greenson who you talked about and then there's also another physician that she had um and his name was engelberg i didn't write his first name so he will be referred to as engelberg and they uh they initially tell investigators that eunice marie saw marilyn monroe or saw the light on in her room at midnight but when there's a changeover later in the morning so at 4 25 they're like midnight eunice marie wakes up i saw her light on i called greenson whatever um and then so it's like almost 5 a.m and then around like i think it was seven there was like a changeover and so they get interviewed again and they all changed their story that Eunice Murray didn't wake up until 3 a.m. and find Marilyn Monroe. Because when they first said that she woke up at midnight, the police officers were like, well, then why the freak is it 4.30 in the morning? Like, what have you been doing for the past four hours if you found her dead at midnight? So that right there, you're like, hmm, what, what do you do during those four hours? And they're like, uh, we don't really know. So then they change their stories to three and then they stick with three for the rest of the time. Like too rehearsed, things are too perfect. Not going to go good. Even one of the, uh, investigators stated that he felt their, uh, testimonies were very rehearsed. So the police were like, this is hella shady, but like she, here's the thing. She, they were like, she is known to have attempted suicide in the past and there are pill bottles everywhere. Yeah. So there's pill bottles everywhere. You know, there has all this drama been going on. Like it probably is a suicide. So they're like, we'll rule it, rule it a suicide. They don't really look into anything. So they send her body to the coroner and the coroner found that the cause of death, um, was the fact wait where did it go the they decided that the cause of death was in fact an overdose of nebutal and hydrochlorate which is um another medication that um had been used as like one of her sedatives and what happens is when these two are used together the hydrochlorate like blocks off the enzymes that break down nebutal so there's a buildup faster and like you said it's like a sedative used for anesthesia so ultimately she like went unconscious and then just never woke up so but what's going on is so during so during all that they're like it was a probable suicide that's what they rule it 
Um, but even one of the coroners and, uh, oh, during the coroner's investigation, they didn't even investigate any of the key witnesses. Like they didn't do anything like that. And the deputy DA w- stated that he was convinced that it wasn't a suicide. And so did the coroner. Uh, but somehow they both r- ruled it as a probable suicide. Um, and then what is hard about going into all this is there's has been a lot of um, things that have come to light, but none of it can super be corroborated. Like it's a lot of circumstantial evidence because everyone's dead now. So everything that I'm going to say is like they're like 80% can take it for their word. But um, so this autopsy of hers is done by Thomas Noguchi. Um, and he later became president of the American National Association of Medical Examiners and Lionel Granderson, who was the coroner's aide. So Grandison was sentenced to six months in jail after this um, for supposedly using a credit card that he took from a corpse. But when he was arrested, he claimed that he was set up because he kept asking questions about Marilyn Monroe's investigation because he was part of the autopsy and was like, things aren't adding up. So interesting. Um, But one thing that the coroner found was that there were bruises on her arms, legs, and hip, which suggested violence near the time of death. But the police never investigated anything like that. They never looked into what could have caused the violence. And then Grandison also states that that when that report was submitted, that entire page that covered the bruises on her arm, legs, and hip went missing. And then another big thing about the autopsy was that they found dual lividity, which lividity is like bruise splotches that appear on the body as the blood settles in the body. And dual lividity happens usually in the first four hours after death if the body is moved then it, it'll appear on two parts of the body from the lividity on the side that the person died on and then the side that they were moved to. So her body literally found with, with dual lividity. So she had lividity on her back and her stomach. So that Can suggests- you explain that again? I don't understand. So when you die, your <laughs> blood stops circul- circulating. Yeah. So- when you die, lividity usually happens. Like if you fall, if you die on your back, the blood will pull in your back, so it creates like bruise like okay. splotches. But dual, so she had it in her back and stomach, and stomach. Which means someone turned her over. Yeah, so she was moved, okay. and usually the it won't happen after four hours of death is what I found because I looked at it, looked into it more, and so like so she was moved before the cops got there basically. Yeah, so pretty much if they got there at four, she was moved in the time before, so for sure she was moved, and did they rule a time of death? I think that I think it I think I have it, but I I think they rule like ten thirty as her time of death. Okay. So, or like, it's like ten thirty between like ten thirty and midnight. You know how they can never get okay. like super exact, um, but it's pretty close. So, but the police never take the dual lividity, and they never investigate that either. They're just like, huh, interesting. <laughs> Don't look into it. And also, oh, yeah, so, also when she was found, specifically stated in everything was that they found empty pill bottles of the Nebutal. Um, and then also, mine said that they also found a pill bottle for the hydrochlorate. But 
what's interesting is when they during the autopsy her stomach contained no pill residue and no undigested pills and if she had overdosed there would have been pills left over in her stomach that hadn't been digested by the time she had died so how'd she die oh we'll get into it we'll get into it so literally the fact that there's bottles of pills spread all over the place the dual lividity um, on her body and the fact that she had no pill residue in her stomach or no undigested pills literally to me is like okay she didn't kill herself like those three i'm like there's no way um whether said this the the coroner yeah this is in the corner so this is her actual autopsy um and i don't know personally i'll get into it later too i don't necessarily think this means she was murdered but she definitely didn't kill herself so um also they also state in the 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 so i got all my information from the conspiracy theories podcast but they also said that if she had been taking pills like that if she had let time go by and digest the pills so that um like they would have been dissolved by the time she did um then those whole times she would have been on the phone with people that you talked about she would have been either super groggy or super erratic and everyone said that she was actually super pleasant that night like got along with her um and then so that's why they they also think that maybe she had been taking like nebutal um throughout the day um and then the fatal dose came from either an or so the coroner states that the fatal dose could have been came from either an injection or an enema and another thing that points to this is the fact that uh hydrochlorate um when di- taken orally leaves like a pear smell in like the intestines or the ma- the mouth like the breath and there was also no evidence of this smell in her body so but when chlorohydrate is injected or used as like in an enema uh then it doesn't have this what is the the smell smell um and they didn't notice any needle marks on her um but they're also needle marks are super hard to notice on um a body because they're so small but they do believe that that this fatal dosage of hers was um, administered by enema because she was known to get enemas frequently. Um, we love enemas. Yeah, it kind of freaks me out. So <laughs> coroners are convinced that drugs were received by enema. So the they request um, a toxicology report on the kidney, stomach, urine, and intestines, which would have told us exactly if they were consumed orally or if they were injected or um, an enema and when the reports came back none of the samples had been analyzed and all the samples had mysteriously vanished from all four cool of her kidney stomach urine and intestines and this was the first time that any of these organ samples had ever disappeared from this clinic it never happened before so uh greenson her doctor worked at the same clinic that these reports and all of her uh all of her samples were kept so interesting happy coincidence yeah it just it's fine it's fine so that is kind of the super shady things that came out of the autopsy so now 
uh, the conspiracy. Okay, honestly, if you don't believe me after this, you have to go listen to the conspiracy theories podcast because I had freaking chills. I was about ready to throw my computer. Like I am so convinced that she did not commit suicide. <laughs> so this is so they kind of cover three main conspiracies and they talk about like evidence that backs up these conspiracies. Um, and so the first conspiracy, you're gonna love this. You're gonna love it so much. So mafia? No. Who else do we talk about all the freaking time? Oh, I don't want them in here. Uh, Who is it, Avon? Yes. Why? Ooh, it's going to be fun. Because she was communist? No, she wasn't communist. Greenson, Murray, and Engelberg were all known members of the Communist Party. Wait, who? Greenson. Okay. Who, her physician... Murray, yeah. her housekeeper, and oh, Eagleberg, the other physician there at her death. Oh, they were all known members of the um, Communist Party in the United States. And also, especially Greenston, they weren't just like basic levels. Like they were like high up. Like they had a lot of. Um, they were elite communists. Yeah. And so it's like, not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean they were spies, but like they were high up in the Communist Party. And even. The, I, I'll skip it when I come up to it, but Greenson has a 40-page like dossier with the CIA or, or the FBI that is like currently like not released to the public. Like they won't release it; it's redacted. Mm-hmm. So like he's high what? enough that he has a freaking 40-page dossier with the CIA. So shady. Um, so also, what goes along with this is the whole fact that whether or not she did this on purpose is that so Greenson had when Murray called him and he came over that afternoon that you said he was like worried about her or whatever and so he told Murray to give her a sedative through as a hydrochloric enema Um, but what he didn't know is that Engelberg had re-prescribed Monroe the Nebutal and so Engelberg had been going through like a lot of bad stuff in his life and so they were supposed to be because they Greenson and Engelberg were supposed to be helping her get off of her like phase out of her addiction and so Engelberg they were supposed to be communicating all the time and like telling each other what they were doing but Engelberg had been going through a lot of personal stuff like he was going through a divorce and all that stuff Um, and so he prescribed the Nebutal and then didn't tell Greenson and so they think that it's also possible that she had been taking the Nebutal and then um, when With Greenson the prescribed the enema, that is what killed her. Um, but then, so that's another... Like Michael Jackson's doctor accidentally killed him. Yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> no, so that's what they consider to be the highly likely. And then what is the the conspiracy is the cover-up and the motivation behind that is like did they do it on accident or did they actually do it on purpose so um again marie says so this is what they propose happens um based on certain evidence that pops up and so they suggest that murray woke up at midnight and he called she freaked out saw marilyn monroe was like unconscious and she knew she gave her the enema and she's probably like I fucked up. They fucked up. I got to call Greenson. <laughs> so she calls <laughs> Greenson and is like, I, she's unconscious. She might be dead. So Greenson comes over and finds her, breaks into 
uh, window. the window or whatever. And then he calls Engelberg and is like, yo, we done fucked up. She's dead. And so they're super <laughs> stressed because they could both get malpractice suits and lose their licenses. So they're probably like, oh, like, shit, we have to, like, cover this up in some way. But, you know, what's really convenient is she's a drug addict and has tried to kill herself in the past. So let's just make it look like a suicide. So they move her body, causing the dual avidity. They spread pill bottles all over the place, but there's no pill residues in her freaking stomach. And they get this all set up, and then they call the police at 425. And that's the four hours. And then when the police come and they're like, so what have you been doing for the past four hours? And they're like, oh, actually, it was at three. Like, what? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Um. Also... They also believe that Murray had washed the bed sheets that Monroe had died on um, from the soiled sheets of the enema. Uh, and when officers first arrived, they found Murray doing laundry. And so, like, your boss just died in an overdose, but you're doing laundry? Like, that's shady as hell. You gotta keep the house clean. You, your boss can't pay you anymore. This is your vacation. <laughs> like, shady as shit. Maybe she wanted the sheets. Maybe she was gonna steal them. Wash them at her own place. Not okay. <laughs> so Greenson then um so later on in the investigation, Greenson, her doctor, actually told the deputy that he didn't even think that she had killed herself. Um and then he played for the investigators a tape that he had of Marilyn Monroe um in like a therapy session of her own where she was like talking about her plans for the future and like actually sounding genuinely happy and like kind of showing her like i don't think she was like i think things were pretty rough but i don't think she was like suicidal at this time but again nothing ever happens with that and so um they kind of talk about greenson they're like was this his way of like was was the guilt getting to him and he was trying to like almost wanting to get caught because after her death he like people say he was never the same he went like kind of dark never he didn't see uh, patients anymore he just wrote books and like did clinical studies and all that stuff so like it effed him up with her death whether or not that was just because he was close to her or if he was involved super weird so 20 years after her death an ambulance driver named james james hall uh, comes to the picture and he says, hey, I was an ambulance driver. Also, okay, this the fact that this guy comes up brought up the fact that why the hell did Murray call Greenson first and then they call the police and they didn't call like 911 to get a freaking ambulance on the way first? Like Because they knew she was dead. But still, I feel like you would still, like Murray, I would feel like would call Greenson and then be like, oh my gosh, I, she's unconscious, but then still call an ambulance. Like, they had dealt with her overdoses before. Like, why would you waste time calling the her physician when you're like, she just needs to get to the hospital and get her stomach pump? Anyways, so this guy comes forward, his name's James Hall, and he says, I was an ambulance driver. Um, I, her, like, I watched Mar Marilyn Monroe die. Like, I was there. And so there's also eyewitnesses of Marilyn Monroe's neighbors that they saw an ambulance outside of Monroe's house around 1030 that night, um, which, again, is around the time of the confirmed time of death from the coroners. Um, and so they're like, oh, like, we'll look into that. So they call Schaefer Ambulance Service, who is the ambulance service that covers that area of her house. And they're like, hey, did you send an ambulance 
at this time and they're like no we didn't there was no ambulances in that area no one was sent and the police say oh okay like no no big deal the neighbors were probably just misremembering the time and stuff but Schaefer ambulance service lied <laughs> they straight up lied how do you know they lied so James Hall comes forward 20 years later and is like I was the driver I was there um and then they were like oh so Schaefer ambulance service was like oh, James Hall never worked for us. And they're like, hmm, James Hall's like, really? Because I have payroll and social security receipts that show that I worked at their company in August 1962. And there's a photo of James Hall in a newspaper um, responding to a call for this ambulance service a couple months before Monroe's death. So he for sure worked for them. And they came out and said, James Hall's never worked for us. We never had an ambulance in the area. So then Schaefer Ambulance Service comes out and they're like, oh, actually, there was an ambulance to Monroe's residence, but James Hall wasn't the driver. Ken Hunter was the driver. And so what? Like, they just change it. Also, there's no records that Ken Hunter ever worked for them in 1962. In fact, there's records that he wasn't even hired until the 70s. Shady shit. Shady shit. why... I don't understand why there's an ambulance there if she never, like, do they put her body in it and then we're like, wait, never mind? No, because they, so I'll get into it, but this ambulance was called because she wasn't dead yet. And then when she was dead, there was no reason to transport her. Um, and so the police, the police were called. And when the police got okay. there, they were sent away. So James Hall, the police Oh, so the DA, listen to this shit. The DA refused to interview Ken Hunter and James Hall because any new evidence would require them to open a full-scale inquiry into a 20-year-old death. And they said they didn't want to do that. Like, it's not worth it for a 20-year-old death. So they just said no. It's not Not worth worth it. it. So James Hall tells this same story under six professionally done polygraph tests and passes all of them. And he goes under forensic. No, polygraph tests aren't no, reliable. I know, though. but he goes under six of them. That's not. S- good no, evidence. I I know, but he yeah, does six of them. Shit. He also <laughs> goes under forensic hypnosis and recalls things, including the layout of Monroe's guest it, home. Hypnosis is also unreliable. No, I know. So at this time, people know that they're like, okay, so these aren't amazing because he could have been fed information. He could have like looked things up, but. Um, he also identifies four people that were at the scene and um, he also names a guy named Murray Leibowitz as his co-driver or like his assistant at that time. And Murray Leibowitz, they couldn't find who he was. They like didn't know where he went. He didn't know where he lived. They found out that Le- Murray Leibowitz moved out of town and changed his name shortly after Monroe's death. Um the heck? And it was years later after this that he was found. And when he was questioned, he said, I don't want to be involved in this. Um, But in 1993, he came back and said, um, they asked him again. And they said he corroborated all of James Hall's information. He said, I was there. This happened. Like he agreed, like he gave a statement and it matched James Hall. So they both said that they were there and they saw her die. So based on this, um, Greenson, Murray, and Engelberg, like I said, already knew each other um, from the Communist Party. Um, Greenson was even involved in com- in the Communist International Party. So, like I, like I said, a bigwig. 
So before Greenson even started working for Monroe, his brother-in-law, um, his last name is Rudin, was Monroe's lawyer. And Greenson had already known that Monroe was having an affair with JFK before he even became her doctor. So people question, they're like, was he actually trying to be like her physician therapist. or a therapist? Or was he trying to get close to her so that he could try to get information about the Kennedys? Interesting. So, but what's super interesting is that Greenson would ha- have therapy sessions with Monroe at his house, and he'd invite her to stay for dinner all the time, and like kind of gave her like a family almost. But Greenson also has a textbook that where he preaches about the cro- correct doctor-patient relationships and like how you shouldn't cross boundaries. Um, and so people are like. Did he just have a soft spot for Marilyn because of her rocky past? Or was he actually grooming her to, like, be his bug in the Kennedys? Um, Maybe he was in love with her. Also very true, because as we've seen, every man seemed to be in love with her. Every man loves her. But here's another interesting tidbit. In 1962, Marilyn mentioned at one of these dinners that uh, she was going to be attending a going away party for Bobby Kennedy. And she was all worried. This She had a little crush on Bobby Kennedy. So she was worried about, like, not knowing how to talk to him. And Greenson helped Marilyn come up with questions. Like, his son, Greenson's son, recalled that that night. Greenson helped Marilyn come up with questions and, like, like specific questions to ask Bobby about politics and, like, involvement in the Vietnam War and all these different, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis, all that stuff. All questions that, like, a communist would want to know. And so, again, it's like, was he just trying to be nice and actually help her, like, talk to Bobby? Or was he actually, like, planting questions for her to ask about... To get information. Yeah. So just super... But it's then like, why would he kill her if she we'll was get valuable into to it. him? We'll get into it. Okay, also, Murray, or Greenson hired Murray, another communist without Marilyn's permission like she he didn't even ask her he just hired her um and she was also a a trained psychiatric nurse but then she just became like a house worker keeper housekeeper and so they're like why the freak would she become a housekeeper if she's a trained psychiatric nurse and then it's again um and then Eagleberg was another doctor that he like convinced her to go so it's like is this is he just like trying to like help out his friends get jobs with this or is this like some freaking parasite movie shit where they like come in from all angles and like try to like take over like i still haven't finished that movie don't spoil it oh i won't but it's again it's like she was obviously impressionable and like had been taken advantage of advantage of in the past so were these people actually did they actually care about her or were they just seeing this as an opportunity that they could take advantage it's a good question to Probably ask. Probably the latter. So, again, you brought up Marilyn Monroe's diary, and this was also known as her book of secrets. So she was known to keep conversations that she had with people, including the Kennedys, in this diary. Like, she'd like be like, oh, I talked to so-and-so about this. And as we know, she was sleeping with both the Kennedy brothers. And let me tell you, that pillow talk was fairly interesting. So... <laughs> She got. She's some, like, let's talk about. Let's talk killing about Fidel Castro. Exactly. So there was stuff in there, <laughs> like the Cuban crime bosses, like you said, Fidel Castro and his uh, plan to assassinate him. Um, and then when the Kennedys cut her off because the CIA was like, she's a security risk, she was pissed. And when she was calling the White House, she was like, "You better freaking call me the f- 
back or I will leak all of this to the press. She's like, I'll take my diary and I'll send it out. Um, are are you going to talk about Frank Sinatra at all? No, I don't. Do you want to bring him oh, up? Never mind then. Oh. It's just small. Like, people say Frank Sinatra was part of the mafia and she he, like, wanted to get with Marilyn Monroe and, like, bought her dog that she named Mafia and... She had secrets about the mafia and Frank Sinatra oh, in her diary, too. I'm sure that... I think that is very not related to her death very much. No, but, but she... Yes. It just proves further that she had, like, a burn book of everyone. Yes. She's like a modern-day George. Pitas. Oh, okay. You don't know who that is, no. but she's on YouTube, and she just exposes everyone. I love that. So what they think is that at this time, um, and we'll get into more things of what could have happened, but kind of the motive behind the whole her dying was not even necessarily that they like were trying to murder her, but that they were trying, I'll get into what happens more, but ultimately the... Engelberg, Murray, and Greenson were worried about losing their leverage and like losing the information that they could use over the president. Like if that got out there, there's no blackmail, there's no leverage, they can't do anything with that. That's true. So they were worried about and she was all erratic and all um so they were probably just trying to calm her down and then accidentally killed her, kind of thing. Um, is kind of what it goes for. So another person comes forward. And this person is Norman Jeffries, and this is Murray's, the housekeeper's son-in-law. And he was hired for to like help fix up Marilyn Monroe's guest house. And so he was there the entire day that she like fought with Newcomb and was still there with Murray like that night because he was like working on stuff. And uh, with Murray staying the night, he was just there super late. So the police get there and Norman Jeffries is there again another person just there like why did you call him before the police weird and they're like why are you here and then Marie tells them that oh, they said oh we called him when we found that Monroe Marilyn Monroe was dead and they're like oh okay so because he was called after she was already dead they didn't interview him they like didn't even question so, him but why so, did they call him what what do you mean why did that's they the thing call him? like why no one knows. because they're covering up a death <laughs> that's why okay listen so in 1993 he comes forward and at this time he's terminally ill he's bound to a wheelchair he literally has nothing to lose and then he breaks his silence and he says after he kind of tells everything that i'm going to go over he says i guess they can't very well electrocute me in a wheelchair and this is believed that people had, like, threatened him. Like, if you come forward and you say anything, you're going to get the death penalty. You're going to die. Like, Yikes. crazy stuff. Because, he, like, people are like, why? Like, even if you had covered it up, you wouldn't get the death penalty. Like, if you, unless you were, like, the one that physically murdered her. Yeah. Um, but even then, I feel like only really serial killers get death penalties. Now. Back True. then, they did not effing care. True. Um, so They're he comes like, forward. You're racist. Die. Well, not if you're racist. They're like, you're black. You die. <laughs> yeah, true. Everyone was racist. So Jeffries, this guy comes forward and he said, he. this is what he says goes down that day. So he okay. says that 
Murray, that Monroe had grown suspicious of Murray and Greenson. She's like, why the freak are you so involved with me? And like you said, like, she had become like everyone's out to get her. Her wires were tapped. And obviously, like, that sounds a little crazy, but like, her place was bugged. People had been using her her entire life. Like, it almost is like the media tries to make her sound crazy. Like, oh my gosh, she was like worried about people following her but like people were she was like in the spotlight she was a celebrity and yeah. so she had grown suspicious of Marion Greenson's intentions and so on the fourth she got into kind of a fight with Murray and said you're fired be gone by the end of the day and they be think yeah so then that's why Murray calls Greenson not to ask about some stupid oxygen treatment she had probably gotten a thousand times before but to be like oh shit I just got fired. What the hell do I do? Like, what do I do? And Greenson is like, oh, I'll come over. I'll try to talk to Marilyn. And Jeffrey says that's what happened. So Greenson comes over. Um, and where did it go? So Greenson comes over and pretty much he talks to her. And they talk in like a, for like an hour in her bedroom. And then he leaves and he's like, oh, give her the hydrochlorate to kind of like calm her down probably she's probably like she's being erratic like you said anyone who any woman gets called that and then stay the night with her um and then jeffrey says after greenson leaves um there's two new visitors that show up and these people that show up is bobby kennedy and peter lawford so good their other brother pretty much no. Peter Lawford is their brother, I think. Oh, really? I don't think they're brothers. They're brother-in-law. Probably brother-in-law because I know they're super tight, but they don't have the same last name. Ted Kennedy is their little brother. I think she also was sleeping with him, too. Oh, probably. She was Good for her. She was like, I'm going to... I remember listening about him, but I didn't write anything about him because I didn't think he was important. He's just pretty much some bigwig that kind of... He's kind of the reason she met the Kennedys. He is like... Lives in the same area. He... Anyways, so Bobby Kennedy and Peter Lawford show up. And then all the key witnesses initially deny that Bobby Kennedy um, was even in L.A. that weekend. They said, "Mm, he did not come to L.A. He was in Washington, D.C. But, bitch, the receipts came back again. And there's flight records and eyewitnesses accounts that Bobby was that flew in to L.A. the afternoon of the 4th, the night before Monroe died. He was seen... um, at the hotel and neighbors recognized him at, on her street so and then there's more evidence that'll get to about him so he also that corroborates the fact that bobby kennedy showed up that night is there's this guy this is the best thing i've ever heard so there's this guy his name is he's a pi his name is fred otash and he was hired by Marilyn herself and two other guys one of them being peter lawford the guy who shows up with Bobby Kennedy to bug her house. So this guy is hired by three different people people to bug Marilyn Monroe's house. So showing that Marilyn Monroe is like worried about things going on in her house when she's not there probably. And two, he's like, I'm just going to get money and is bugging it for two other people. So she's not crazy. There's people looking out for her. Like that's confirmed. Um, and then he corroborates the fact that Bobby Kennedy was there from the tapes from Monroe's house that evening. And he comes forward when he's old and rich and he's like, I don't really see any purpose in being involved, but I feel like it's time for the truth to come out. So he's like, 
I don't really Bobby care. Kennedy or the no, PI? this is the PI, Otash. Okay. And so he really has nothing to lose or gain. He's just kind of like, I'm already Whatever. rich. I don't. I and he says they had a quote from him that was like, "I'm not trying to make a point. I'm not writing a book." He's like, "Here's what the tapes were." So on these tapes, so there these tapes aren't public record. So like you have to rely on like there were like three people that had listened to it. One of them it was like a a government informant that like didn't come forward. So like we don't know his name. And there were two other people that I'm sure you could find on Google in two seconds. But they all say the same thing happened on the tape. So you hear three voices on these tapes. One is Marilyn, and she says, this is a quote, I feel passed around, I feel used, I feel like a piece of meat. So he's pretty much, she's pretty much saying, like, F you guys for sleeping with me and then ghosting me out of nowhere the past few weeks. And then all you hear is Kennedy's voice repeating, repeating where is it, where the hell is it, I have to have it. What is he looking the for? The diary. And then you also hear Peter Lawford's voice telling both of them to calm down. And then you hear a bunch of more yelling, a banging sound. Monroe screams and then tells them to get out. So was she hit? Would that explain the bruises on her arm, legs, and hip? Hmm. Possibly. But guess what? They didn't look into that because they're a bunch of assholes. And it was a woman. So. (laughs) We don't care when women die. No. So. Then Greenstein's called it. So. Uh, this Jeffrey's guy, Murray's son-in-law, and Murray get back uh, because the Kennedy, Peter and Bobby Kennedy had sent them away. So they come back. Monroe's super upset. So then that's another reason they could call um, Greenson and be like, she's super like upset. Like, we don't know what to do. Can you come over and talk to her? Um, and then when he gets there, uh, Jeffrey's says that Marilyn's still pissed and it tells Greenson that she doesn't want to see him anymore. She's like, screw all of you. Like, I'm done. And so Murray again, like, or Greenson then talks to her again for this long time and then tells Murray again to give her a sedative and to stay the night. So all these cases, there's a sedative being given. So, Yeah. So kind of in summary of this kind of conspiracy is that Murray and Greenson are worried about losing their leverage over the president and like the Kennedys and releasing the diary to the public or giving it to Bonnie, Bobby Kennedy and they're pissed. So they're like, how do we like calm her down and not have her overreact and fire us and all that crap? So Murray sedates Marilyn with the chlorhydrate enema um, so she could go searching for the diary and then probably because she had um been taking the what is nebutal as well um marilyn monroe actually like comes out and like goes to like stop murray from looking for the diary because that's so she's like this is probably my last night before i'm fired i gotta get this diary and get it out so she marilyn comes out and then she's like kind of passes out and i'm sure i think murray cared enough about her that she was worried and was like this shouldn't be happening like you should be sedated but like you shouldn't be unconscious you shouldn't be unconscious yeah so then she freaks out and calls an ambulance this ambulance driver that came forward and said that he was there she calls the ambulance they come forward and jeffries is corroborating this saying this is what happened that the ambulance driver shows up and marilyn monroe is passed out and he goes into the guest uh, house and again he says he remembers the layout of her guest house so he comes in 
goes to her guest house where Marilyn Monroe was passed out and starts to um, use a resuscitator to like bring her back. And then James Hall and Leibowitz state that a guy, a man comes in with a big, big black doctor's bag and he's later identified as Greenson and tells them to stop resuscitating her and to just do CPR. So they're like, what the hell? Like, but they also cover that um, these paramedics are trained that if a doctor shows up, they're not supposed to ask questions. They're just supposed to follow the doctor's orders because they're high, more highly trained or whatever. So they're like, okay, so like this is working. Like a doctor, doctor. Yeah, but they don't know that. You show up and you're like, I'm a doctor, and you like pretend you know what you're doing, and they're like, okay. So especially in the fifties, no one gave a shit. It's not like you have like a badge. So all you need is a freaking black medical badge. Yeah, exactly. Do whatever you want. So they stop and they start doing CPR, um, and he pulls out this like syringe of brown liquid, and yeah, it's just pretty much shitty water. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so shit water. It was so gross. Honestly, maybe. But so then he pulls out this brown liquid and injects it into her heart. And so like James Hall and Leibowitz were like, oh, it's probably adrenaline. But they're like, but it's also super weird because adrenaline is clear in liquid form. But they're like, "Mm, maybe adrenaline also sometimes comes in brown tinted like vials. And so they're like, maybe they're just like misremembering the color of the vial instead of the liquid. But guess what also is brown in liquid form? Nebutal. Oh. <laughs> yes. But so if she had been given the hydrochlorate enema and then he shoves and nebutal two into Two hydrochlorate her, enemas. Yeah. No. Did you say they gave her two? No. She's been given one. Oh, just one. And, but she'd been taking and Nebutal, then Nebutal, and then he gives her a freaking injection of Nebutal into her heart. She died immediately. Um, and then another thing that comes out is the fact that the paramedics said that Greenson effed it up when he was, like, injecting her. And he, like, missed the angle and, like, cracked one of Marilyn Monroe's ribs. And instead of, like, trying to fix it, he just kind of pushed a little harder and, like, punctured her heart, which also killed her. So he, like, double killed her. Um, and then <laughs> I don't really this. I love being killed twice in the span yeah. of a minute. But then Greenson, um, so this fits in with all the evidence about like the layout of time. Like the paramedics show up, Greenson, and like all this like cover up time, and all the um, eyewitness accounts of the people showing up and people being there. So that kind of all adds up. Um, but then what doesn't add up is the motivation of if this did happen. What happens later is a couple days later, um, one of a reporter shows up to try to find Marilyn Monroe's address book. And then she is handed the address book and her diary. And people are like, well, if it, this was all about her diary or whatever, why would they kill her for it? But then just hand it over okay. a couple days later. So super whatever. So now we get into my last and my final conspiracy, and it's titled The Kennedys, Bitch. And I realized that the Kennedys are just the 50s version of the Clintons. (laughs) They like to (laughs) kill people and cover it up. So they also have a pedophile sex ring? uh, Probably. Honestly, the Kennedys, 
just from this, I'm sure we should, I should do research on the Kennedys, but from this podcast, they're, they're a little effed up. So I was talking, my sister was doing homework on Ronald Reagan, and I was like, Ronald Reagan was a racist. And then <laughs> they asked me who my favorite president was, and I was like, honestly, probably George Washington, because after that, it just went all to shit. Yeah, he was also racist, though. Yeah, but like... He was probably the only good one. He's good in Hamilton. He's black. There you go. Progressive. <laughs> okay, anyway, let's get into the Kennedys. So, we talked about the pillow talk. The Kennedys, she's been sleeping with both Kennedy boys. She has been cut off. She's threatening to release her diary. And so, there's witnesses of her neighbors saying that they saw Bobby Kennedy, a man with a black doctor's bag, again, um, identified as Greenson and a third person that the neighbors didn't recognize um, show up around 9.30 p.m. at her house. And um, they, oh, so they show up and they tell Jeffries and this is also Jeffries is also corroborating, corroborating this still. Okay. No, I don't. At no. this point, I don't remember who's corroborating this. Okay. Someone's corroborating it. Lots of corroborating up in here. So they go to the neighbor. So Jeffries and Marie are sent to the neighbor's house. Uh, Marilyn Monroe follows these kind of three guests into her guest cottage where she keeps her file cabinet. Again, so they're thinking her diary is in there. And then um, from Otasha's tapes, another thing that comes up is there's his voice saying give her give her something to calm her down and wish and then there's a smothering sound so again there's they're like was this when she was given like the enema like the sedative and then oh but it can't be identified uh, verified if it was an enema or just an injection in fact so then they give her this uh, injection and Murray and Jeffries come back. She's there clutching the phone um, and they are worried. They're like, what the freak did Bobby Kennedy do? So they call the ambulance. The ambulance shows up. Um, and then also Peter Lawford comes forward later and says, oh, I actually am the last one to talk to Marilyn Monroe that night. And she called me and she was super like groggy and said, she told me, say goodbye to the president and say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy. And so they're again, the police are like, okay, was this like her suicide or did she just know that she was like dying? Like she could feel herself going unconscious. And so he, they, she called her and that's how she died with the freaking phone in her hand. So Lawford gets all worried that she says that and calls the neighbors to check on her. And they're like, yeah, we'll go over. But then Lawford then calls the neighbors back and is like, oh, it's okay. I talked to her doctor. Everything's fine. And so they're like, why the freak did Lawford lie to the I neighbors? Lawford was there. No, he goes there. So Lawford's having oh. a dinner party that night. He's having a dinner party. So he gets the call from Marilyn Monroe at his party and he's like, are you okay? And she's like, say goodbye. He's like, what the hell? So he calls the neighbors because he can't leave his party. Gets a call from the doctor. He's like, everything's fine. We're fine here. And he's like, okay. And then he's like, mm, still kind of sounds shady. So he goes over uh, with Newcomb, who was at his party. So her publicist goes back over. Um, and they show up. 
and ooh, this is the good part. So the ambulance comes, all that crap happens. Hall, when the ambulance leaves, Hall, the driver, says he saw Lawford talking to a police officer. And that police officer is identified um, as... Oh, before we get into who it was identified, this is super weird because the police aren't called until an ambulance is true um leaves because they have to either call and say the patient is in transport or they're dead that's what they do so he was like i haven't called the police yet who the freak is this police officer that lawford's already talking to this police officer officer is identified as marvin ioni um and he's a police officer of the intelligence division who's usually assigned as bobby kennedy's security detail when he's in town so Ioni thing. is it Ioni or Ioni? Ioni, I think it's Ioni. He wasn't supposed to be on duty that night, but he was supposed to have the night off. But he checks out a car uh, before the garage closes at 11 p.m. So it's either like if she died around 10:30, he either was like quick to respond or he knew like something was already going down. Like he was like, I need to get yeah. over. So he shows up and is talking. And then so Peter Lawford and Newcomb had come over and Newcomb ends up calling a friend. Uh, her name, I think, was I have the Natalie Jacobs um, around 1045. And Natalie Jacobs is at a concert and Newcomb is hysterical. She's like, something's happened. Like Marilyn Monroe's dead. Tells Jacob straight up. This is at 1045 ish. Um and again, what happened to freaking Murray waking up at midnight and finding her? It's like we're already so far from the yeah. the official story. So the DA later, twenty years later, or it wasn't even twenty years later. It was like ten years later when Emily Jacobs was like, "Hey, like I got this phone call from Newcomb," and they're like, "But no one ever asked me about it." And they said, "If we had known about Natalie Jacobs' statement at the time, this is a quote." It would have cast an entirely different light on our investigation and perhaps we would have arrived at different conclusions because there's evidence that someone had been told of Marilyn Monroe's death by around 11 p.m. that night, but the, pol- the police didn't show up till 4. So, Jeffries um, says that the... Jeffries, we're back to the son-in-law of Murray, says, yeah. so we had... Um, what's his name? Hall was the par- the paramedic that saw Ioni. Um, and then Jeffries say the plane police officers show up around four. Um, so Jeffries say the plane police officers show up and then there's again a change off and another police officer shows up and his name is James Hamilton. Um, and Hamilton is the um, also works for the intelligence division the same one that ioni works for um so again deals with the higher ups a lot and it's jeffrey says that hamilton and eagleberg the other physician come up with a suicide in the locked room theory so they go in they move her from the guest house to the um her bedroom cover it with pills also looked up there was no water found in the crime scene and there wasn't running water in her bathroom because it was being worked on at the time. So, again, how she's shoving all these pills in her throat. Um, 
You can take Yeah, but you're not going to overdose doing that. Like, if you're going to overdose, you're going to get some freaking water. Not that I know. I really shouldn't. Anyways. Um, Don't act like you're a pill popper. I'm not. So, 1210, um, another, oh, so then another deputy comes forward. His name, or her name is Lynn Franklin, and she says that around midnight, he or she, they, um, pulled over in a car, Lawford, Greenson, the doctor, and Bobby Kennedy. And so all three of these assholes are in the freaking car together. But Franklin let them go because he didn't want to hold them up. And Bobby Kennedy was the freaking district attorney of the United States. So he was like, oh, I'm sorry. You can go. Like, I'm not going to hold you up. Um, And so there's also – so this is at midnight. 2 a.m., there's a helicopter charted to pick up a passenger – Who's that passenger? Bobby Kennedy. JFK. No, Bobby Kennedy from the beach near Lawford's. All the neighbors complained about this. So this is true because all the neighbors complained about it, complained about the sand in their pool the next morning. So they're like, yes, bitch. Freaking. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, (laughs) So around 2 a.m. as well. So 2 a.m. There's a police. There's not a police. There's a helicopter chartered to pick up a passenger who is suspected to be bobby 2 a.m lawford also shows up around to otashes the guy who with all these tapes and he tells and lawford tells otash that monroe was dead bobby is on his way back to dc and otash needs to get to maryland and remove anything that might tie them to her death they're like if they go in and they find all of our bugs like we're screwed um and also at this time, so he had three bugs placed for three different people. There was also for sure the CIA has admitted to bugging her. And it's rumored that the FBI, the mafia, and 20th Century Fox were all had bugs in her apartment. So she's not crazy. Love that. She's, so Rudin, Greenson's brother-in-law, and also Marilyn Monroe's lawyer show up before the police are arrive again. So all these people literally are there before the police. Like, what the hell's going on? around 4 a.m um she had a lot of information yeah and so this hamilton guy who came up with the locked the suicide in a locked door comes back and does so initially like i said the original police officer showed up and he, they told him that, oh, I woke up at midnight and then you're here at 4 a.m. And they're like, why the freak are you here at 4 a.m.? So there's a changeover and Hamilton, the um, intelligence division officer, shows up and he's like, give me all your statements again. And that's when they all came up with 3 a.m., so an hour before. Okay. And so it's like super shady that like he was there and helped plan, according to Jeffries, the cover up. And then he shows up at the changeover and is like, hey, like, let's fix this. So it's like he showed up and was like tying up loose ends so um what's also super sketchy is newcomb was super upset and they're like it was her like really good friend and publicist but she was also being like super weird and people reported that she was kept like crying and like even when the police were trying to tape off the house and like set up a scene that she was kept going through drawers and like other things looking for something and they just assumed that 
she had like she had spent the night the night before so they assumed that she was looking for something she had lost but also why the freak would you care about that if your friend had just died so they think that she was looking for her diary i think she was a part of it so super shady that damn diary yeah it's this diary so the cover-up literally there's like six people there when the police get there at 4 a.m everyone lied stayed silent or kept information secret and they all came forward later and like said weird things um and they're like why if bobby kennedy was involved in this like why would everyone lie to keep him like to keep him safe so bobby kennedy was also the attorney general he the kennedys were known as like the royal family of the united states in 1969 so seven years after there was actually evidence came forward that the kennedys tried to cover up the fact that 10 ted kennedy jfk and bobby kennedy's younger brother um was driving and he drove his car off a a bridge with a girl in it and he got out and ran away and the girl died um but they tried to cover it up and it didn't work and so he pled guilty to manslaughter but again because he's a rich white guy he didn't serve any jail time so kennedy's not above covering things up or at least trying to um her death is also super weird because only Hamilton, who is the chief of the intelligence division and the police chief of L.A. were the only ones to like work on her case after um, a guy named Thad Brown brought information that Bobby Kennedy had been seen at Beverly Hills, like the hotel, on August 4th. Um, police chief Bill Harker removed him from the case, and that's when he brought in Hamilton and then like no one else in the police office worked on it. It was just the two higher ups. Um, in December, 1962. So this is four months later, uh, Mm -hmm. chief Parker, the police chief takes Monroe's file to Washington DC to meet with Bobby Kennedy. And it's quoted that he tells them that it's a matter of mutual interest. And then Marilyn Monroe's file from the police office is never seen again. It's just gone. So, also, Parker was expected to replace Hoover as head of the FBI um, at this time. So, he was trying to be buddy-buddy with the Kennedys. So, trying to keep, trying to cover up and help them out. Because he wanted to be head of the FBI, but that fell short when JFK was assassinated. And they said he was shit out of luck because that happened. Um, Also, Hamilton, the other guy who covered this, he was able to quit the police force and got a more glamorous job and higher high higher paying job for being the head security of the NFL based on a recommendation by Bobby Kennedy. So wow. um so those are why those two guys would probably stay silent and help the Kennedys, but why would Greenson, the doctor, help Kennedy? Um also, oh, so you know how you said that Greenson might be in love with Marilyn Monroe? Yeah. So this, this guy comes forward and he's like, also, Lawford, Peter Lawford, had, who's buddy buddy with the Kennedys, had t- tapes, um, recordings of Greenson having sex with Marilyn Monroe. So if that came out, Ooh. they're like, you better freaking help us or we're going to ruin your practice because you've been, this is not correct relationships with patience and ruin your family and will expose your ties to the communist party and so if he he's probably like okay fine i'll freaking help you 
Um, and then he gets all his friends to do it because he's like, I got you this job. You wouldn't be here without me, all that shit. And then also, this is my favorite part. So this ambulance service, you know, that lied at first and said, we didn't send a freaking ambulance. Oh, we did send an ambulance, but not the right guy. Not James Hall. They also operate air ambulances and planes and helicopters that were known to convert covertly fly government officials and guess who some frequent frequent flyers were the kennedys so they show again at this time they're like why would they cover up they were trying to show that they could be trusted and that the government officials could use them and they'd keep like the air of secrecy so what's interesting is the conspiracy theories podcast is I got all this information and literally from the very beginning, like I said, when she was found with like pill bottles everywhere, no water, and then there was no pill residue in her stomach. I'm like, that's just, she didn't kill herself. It's, and I, again, don't think she was murdered. And I think what happened, so this is my personal conspiracy theory. I think it's kind of a mixture of all three. I think she probably was taking drugs. I think she was taking Nebutal. And I do think Bobby Kennedy was pissed and probably came like there's Bobby Kennedy was there. That's corroborated. I think he was pissed and probably looking for a diary or just like stop freaking calling the White House, like leave us alone Um, and then sedated her. And then Greenson showed up and was like, holy shit, I should try to save her. But then effed it up with his dosage or like the cracked rib or whatever. And she ended up dying. And they're like, holy shit, we're all involved in this murder. How do we fix it? They move her. They come up with this it's an easily believable conspiracy theory um because she has had suicidal attempts in the past um but i don't think anyone necessarily meant for her to die i think they were all just i think she was just being used like she had been her whole life and then she was just an unfortunate um i don't even know what the words say um but also people so this is some other weird ones that people think that the cia murdered her because she was a security risk um they also think the fbi murdered her because she was they think that the head of the fbi hated the kennedys like he did so they think he killed her as like sending a message to them like screw you guys but they're also like not give one f about her yeah and that's the thing is people are like why the freak would they kill an innocent woman just to piss off the kennedys like whatever um or then and then also about the mafia because she had previously been drugged sexually assaulted and blackmailed by the mafia so they're like oh yeah there's like a whole orgy that went down yeah and it's pretty bad that she had um so i'm like literally also what's super interesting i think you should go listen to it but in the conspiracies podcast at the end of every conspiracy they rate it on a scale of nine to ten and yeah the fact that um with the evidence that was presented and everything that they covered the fact that bobby kennedy was um involved and whether or not he they rated the fact that he was involved in her murder a nine and the premeditated murder of five so they don't think that he killed her either and also uh it could have been a malpractice suit between engelberg and um Greenson effing up the dosages um a nine but then the fact that everyone just wanted her diary they rated a four so i'm like i'm supported by them the fact that she didn't die 
she wasn't she she did die. she <laughs> idiot it's not tupac <laughs> maybe she is tupac maybe they're all in the same place dead. no i don't believe she killed herself do you want to know what i think yes i think she was murdered by accident okay so you don't believe she killed herself no i do believe she killed I think it's more, there's a very strong possibility she killed herself just because of the facts that it's a pattern. She's obviously has some mental illness due to genetics and trauma. So it wouldn't be unlikely if she did. But I also think it is possible that Greenson and what was the other dude's name? Engelberg. Engelberg. Just miscommunication, messed up dosages, and accidentally killed her. And then to save their asses, covered it up. But I don't think Bobby Kennedy was involved. I think he was. I I just think it was Murray, Engelberg, and Greenson had their own thing going on. And then they're like, oh shit. And then... I think, well, here's the thing. I agree with you. I think, I think that, I think that's what happened. But I think the fact that Bobby Kennedy was there that night is the reason they covered it up even more. Like they wanted to save his, their asses. But then Bobby Kennedy is also like, I can't be seen at the the night before yeah. she dies. Like, you know what I mean? Like he can't be known to be there. And so I think that's, I think he helped with the cover up. But like I said, I don't think anyone had... But I think it's possible for him to help with the cover-up and not be there. Oh, I know he was there. There's literally... The fact that there's evidence of someone... Of um, a helicopter being charged to pick someone up at 2 a.m. And there's eyewitnesses that saw him on the street. And there's eyewitnesses that saw him at the hotel. And there's receipts that showed that he was in L.A. that evening. I'm like, why the freak would he go to L.A. and not go to Peter Lawford's party? Like, the only option is that he went to Marilyn Monroe's house. Maybe. So, I don't know. All I know is she didn't kill herself. You don't think it's possible at all that she did? No. Like I said, literally from the very beginning, they were like, oh, she was found with pill bottles. Oh, but her stomach had no pills. Oh, she had the dual libidity is the other thing for me. Those three facts... The fact that she obviously was moved, and so there was a cover-up of some sort. Because that's the thing. is They could have been like, oh, yeah, she was in the um, the freaking, what, guest house, guest house. But then we moved her to her bed. But it's like you, she was moved, and then the door was locked, and then a, the window was broken, whether or not it was to get out or in. Like, doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, there's a cover-up of some sort. So I... And I think it was the easy way out. They're like, she has had a, a past experiences with overdosing. So it's the easiest, it's the most believable thing. Way to cover it up. So. Definitely interesting. I won't. I want to go back and ask her. <laughs> or you just wait till you die. She's probably in like heaven and I'm not going to make it. <laughs> 
Oh, yikes. You can ask Hitler whether he killed himself. Those vines that are That's like, where you'll be. those vines where it's like my mom at my funeral, heaven gained another angel. And then it's like me, me teaching Ted Bundy renegade. <laughs> me asking John Bonnet Ramsey who killed her. Uh, wow, this was so a really good. long one. I'm sorry. I know. I'm really tired. I was really tired, and then I got heated again because I'm just so angry. Well, yeah. Because she didn't fucking kill herself. Well, I'm so tired. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, We'd love to hear whether you think Marilyn Monroe killed herself or not, or if you have your own theory of your own. Um, also, we love new theories. We have a little bit more time on our hands, except Connor works all the time and I'm too lazy to get a job. So some of us have more time than others, but (laughs) we don't have school anymore. Praise the Lord above. If you want to contact us or please do, we're lonely. Please. Um, you can contact us at our Instagram, which is at snacks and tinfoil hats. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is CSTFHP podcast. P. <laughs> How long has it been? You can also email us at CSTFH podcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook, which is Conspiracy Snacks and Tinfoil Hats. And then you can listen, rate, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, and Google. <laughs> and yeah. What do we say? Oh. <laughs> and if we go missing, blame the Kennedys. Bobby Kennedy. <laughs> it's the pre okay. the 50s Clintons. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Wait, Tyler totally scratched that. That whole part. So they rated Bobby Kennedy. (laughs) They rated Bobby Kennedy. Your face, you were like, oh shit.